1: Now, here are your hosts, lifetime longhorn Rod Babers, Pure athlete, yeah. a transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are song full of that, man. am right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets so. up If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, a post-Father's Day edition of the Blitz. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Hope everybody had a safe, happy, and healthy weekend. But we are back at it, talking about the Big 12. Yeah, I don't know if you got the Dan Hawkins drop in there, Matt, but it's not intramurals, (laughs) brother. We are talking about the Big 12. Uh, As it relates to Texas and Steve Sarkees in year one, just how good is this league going to be? We'll get into that on this week's show and uh, continue our ongoing discussion about player development, development ratings, blue chip ratios. All of that is up for discussion on this week's episode of The Blitz. Before I bring in the rest of the team, let me remind you, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, we just thank you so much for being a part of Longhorn Blitz. Anywhere you get your podcasts, just search Horns 24-7. Click the follow button to get every episode of The Blitz Don't forget to leave us a review. Five-star designation would be preferable. And uh, we are seeing the reviews, so thank you folks so much. Those of you who are following through and doing that, we definitely appreciate it. All right, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. How about you? Not too shabby. And the third member of our team, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL when he was with football. He got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he's a card carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. How you Rod, doing? Rod B., good to see you this morning. That Yeti backpack working out for you pretty well? Yeah,
2: man, it's really nice. I feel bad just using it to carry papers and
0: <laughs> I'm in business.
1: And my th- notes in. a briefcase.
2: Yeah, but it's actually meant for other stuff like that. So uh shout out to the good folks at Yeti, man. The backpack is multi-purpose.
1: Well, you're, uh, yeah. you are you wouldn't be using that Yeti backpack had your other bag not just falling apart, just collapsed on hey, you.
2: Hey, man, it gave me some good idea. I almost had that back for like... Have you seen... What was the last time you seen me with a bag other than that black... I think that black bag like, oh.
0: you've had
1: since I began <laughs> knowing yeah. you. Uh,
2: might be, we might have A eight, decade? Ni- you yeah, got a decade, decade out of, it, of I think might have got 8, 9, years. Uh,
1: we did a pregame show <laughs> one time i forget what game it was or what year it was but we're doing a pregame mm-hmm. show and i've been running around i'm like man i'm hungry and right out of that bag goes oh here brother and it's a he pulls a Chick Fil A sandwich out of the bag. I'm like, chicken Rod sandwich. B, you just keep Rod B, you just keep chicken sandwiches in your bag, like <laughs> all sorts no, of I stuff. I want
2: to say we, man, what have we? I, we had done something, and they were giving away chicken sandwiches that morning. <laughs> yep. and I, I took like you know all your more love chicken. I took like four of them. I ate two, and I had two in my bag ready to go.
0: <laughs> It'd actually be more fitting in your Yeti backpack right now.
1: It would be. Yeah, That's ch- a great point. To keep it warm. Shout I was out. like, thanks, Rod. I don't know why you got a chicken sandwich in your bag, but thanks. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Satisfy my hunger. Yes. Oh, that's great! Like pulling uh, it out of your. Forgot all about that. What man. would satisfy the hunger of Longhorn fans is a really good season in terms of wins and losses for Steve Sarkisian in year one. And I started thinking about it like this, right? We talked a lot about the non-conference schedule, mm-hmm. and you know how tough it is for Texas coaches in their first year to get off to anything but a one and two start. And we talked about how tough this schedule is, opening with Louisiana. I, I think we can like Arkansas is interesting because. I think everybody across the country might be overcooking Arkansas just because we thought they were going to be historically terrible last year Mm -hmm. playing an all SEC schedule. Yeah. And they end up winning three games and they're competitive in some others. So I think because at three and seven, they so far went over expectations. That's right. That I think now we we might overcook in Arkansas. But I think the bigger thing to me is it's a night game, it's at Fayetteville. The environment, I think, is. The hurdle Texas has to clear and the dragon they have to slay, so to say, more so than the opponent. But we look at that non-conference schedule, and as I'm thinking about and I've told you guys, we discussed it on the show, my bar for Steve Sarkeesian in year one in terms of what is a good year, and you look at just how first-year Texas head coaches, Mm -hmm. other than Charlie Strong in the Daryl Royal era, have... They've improved the win total by at least one game in their first year from the yeah, previous that's a good stat. season. So that's kind of my my baseline for Sark. Can you get to eight? And preferably you get to eight in the regular season. Maybe you can get to nine with a bowl game. And we all know, hey, a nine-win season with a bowl win, that probably you're probably in the top 20, maybe the top 15, depending on how things shake out. And hopefully at that point you feel like you're off and running, especially depending on what mm-hmm. kind of year B. John Robinson has going into what will be a draft-eligible for year for him yep. in 2022. But I started thinking about it like this, Rod. So if Texas is going to get to eight, and, and you look at kind of their path to eight wins, that non-conference schedule is huge because if they can go 3-0 and in non-conference, mm-hmm. all you've got to do is finish with a winning record in conference play to get to eight wins. Yeah. Which brings me to the topic I want to discuss this week, Rod. We've seen schedule rankings. We talked about some of the schedule rankings last week. It's crazy. How good is the Big 12 going to be this year? Because I think it's pretty clear whether you're talking about human – polls right now or you know, the FPI, your metrics list. Oklahoma and Iowa state to the top two teams in this conference in the preseason. Yep. And probably somewhere, what, Rod, right, top seven, top yeah, six. Yeah, it depends on what ranking you're nationally. looking at, but some people are saying
2: Oklahoma might be the best team in the country. A I mean, year Oh Feinbaum said he can't find a better team in the
0: country and
2: you know he's got a he's got a bias. Yeah. It's a bit of a bias. Oklahoma <laughs> Oklahoma's gonna get eleven yeah, if you look at was you're looking at the William Hill.
0: Is uh, that... yeah, there's a handful. This is, okay. uh, yeah, Caesar Sportsbook by William Hill. Okay. On ESPN. Yeah, that's the
2: one I saw. I had Texas at eight. Yep. Uh, which is, I think, kind of a sweet spot. I think they're right around there, around eight. I probably would have put them at nine, but like I said, I don't know if they're gonna, they're uh, like you said, putting the bowl game into their projections. But mm-hmm. I got them right around. I would say eight and a half is probably the healthy mark. If you're gonna. Project for Texas.
0: Yeah, juiced at the under is actually minus 130. So okay. that, that's a little enticing to go over because you're getting a plus
1: money there. Mm. Yeah. So when you look at Oklahoma, like you look at Oklahoma, and I don't know, we'll see what happens with this Isaiah Thomas situation. I know. arrest on suspicion of DUI, failure to appear. There's a
2: lot of layers to that
1: thing. Apparently yeah.
2: like the notice was sent to a different address, so he didn't get the notice. So when he was stopped, he didn't know there was a warrant out for him. It was, and it was, I, it's and a lot of layers to that story. And I
1: know they've got good play. This is probably the best Oklahoma defensive front that program will have had in oh. 15 years. Yeah, easy. Since the Gerald McCoy easy. years. Easy, I think he's their best player, Rod. I know, and it's so
2: crazy that uh, a lot of the preseason love is going to you know other guys. But I'm with you. I think he might be their best player up front, on the front seven. I thought— He might be uh, the best player overall well, on defense. And, and
1: we didn't see Ronnie Perkins last year in the Texas game. Yeah. But— I thought, you know, going back and watching film, I thought he was their best player in terms of a guy that, whether you schemed him, schemed him free, or he just got free on his own, I thought he was a, a legitimate difference. Just a disruptive force. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that situation, and we know Iowa State. You bring back Brock Purdy, you bring back Brees Hall, uh, Xavier Hutchinson's back, so you really got kind of your three pronged attack there on offense. We know they're going to have tight ends out the wazoo. Matt Campbell always does. Uh, especially with Charlie Kohler coming back and then defensively John Haycock's been at the forefront of this I don't know if you want to call it a defensive revolution in the Big 12 Rod right? a defensive it, resurgence it is,
2: but I will say that we've talked about this offensively the problem is right now with football you're looking at obviously the football landscape at every level there have been more offensive innovations uh, more offensive evolution over the last 20 years than on defense mm-hmm. honestly the, the last evolution on defense might have been John Heacock. They may be the 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 biggest evolutionary leap on defense to adapt to the spread offenses in the last fifteen years. I can't think of many. No. I mean, no. me? offensively, hell, man, there's so many.
0: Yeah, and it's constantly are you about... evolving.
2: Yeah, exactly. When you're talking about RPOs, or are you talking about up-tempo, or whether you're talking about, you know, multiplicity, dual threat, quarterback zone. I mean, it, it just continues to evolve offensively more and more. They get these little cheat codes. Not a lot of cheat codes defensively. No. Well, like, makes... like I always say it just comes down to do you have ballers? Do you got do you got good football players? Do you got 11 guys across the board that are, that are just ballers, that can just go? And your defensive line specifically – uh, that's how Tampa Bay did it. That's how Oklahoma now settles set itself apart. This shit. That's how yeah. how you build a modern day spread
1: defense. And it's uh, you know, it's not like you know the what John Haycock did is that outside the box. I mean, whether you want to call it an inverted Tampa two, you call it just playing with the overhang safety. They basically just add take out a defensive lineman, add another safety on the field. Yeah, and that's all they're doing. We saw and we saw Todd Orlando put his own spin on it with mm-hmm. the lightning package yeah. in twenty seventeen. You're basically just trying to flood the field with as much speed and yeah. range as you possibly can. And by the way, can.
2: Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Go yeah. look at about 12 to 15% of defense snaps. Three safeties on the field. Yep. Why? Because they saw Bill Belichick do it against Kansas City, too. And who do you think Bill Belichick got it from? Iowa State. <laughs> because when you go back far enough, because there's not a lot of film on my home. He's only been in the league balling for, what, three years now. Um, you go back and look at the worst game he had, one of the worst games he had when he was there at Texas Tech. Against Iowa State Mm -hmm. on the road. Matter of fact, that was the game that the uh, that the uh, the Chiefs GM went to see him in person for the first time. And then, (laughs) and then actually said he fell in love with him as a result of watching that game versus Iowa State. And they got they got massacred on that field. But of course, playing a lot of three safety. My theory is that Belichick watched a ton of Patrick Mahomes film because he had the best blueprint to defend Patrick Mahomes in the first couple of years of his career. Mm -hmm. Nobody had done really better than Belichick in terms of him struggling, and he hadn't struggled against a lot of people. Go look at that defensive blueprint – in the Super Bowl, they use three safeties in, in some, on some crucial downs, something like third downs, like third and predictable passing downs. So it's it's already now trickled up to the NFL, that three safety package, as a great way to defend the spreads.
1: Getting back to the college game, I mean, Brent Venables has admitted that he went and met with John Haycock and tried to figure yeah. out because when they get into the playoff and you're facing, you know, in Ohio State and Alabama, mm-hmm. you need to figure out a way how to match up. So yeah. he they've – They've swapped. you see ideas. it more and more in the NFL. Yeah, you'll start seeing it more and more. So that covers Oklahoma and Iowa State. But Rod, how good is the rest of this league? Because you were sharing some numbers. I think it was the FPI. Oh yeah, the one football of those Power metrics. Freaky man really loves Oklahoma State, and I can't really figure out why.
2: Yeah, the Football Power Index. If you start looking at it, this is
1: ESPN's, the by the way. Uh,
2: yeah, their Football know. Power Index. They just love Oklahoma State, man. I don't know exactly why. And actually, i took take that back. They like the Big 12. Okay, so the FPI, if you look at their top 25, they got six Big 12 teams in the FPI top 25 for 2021. I'm not making that up. They they got two in the top four. That's your Oklahoma and Iowa State. So they really like Oklahoma and Iowa State. Only Bama is ranked Oklahoma. They're number one in the football power index for ESPN. Oklahoma's number two. Clemson number three. Uh, And they have all those teams projected to win 11-plus games.
1: Hmm.
2: Clemson 11.5. Uh, OU 11.2, Alabama 11.1. I don't know how to get to that, but the, the simulations, advanced metrics, all that kind of stuff, right? So, Iowa State's number four in the football power index, and they're projected at 10 wins, like 10 flat. Uh, f- Ohio State is projected at 10.8 wins, and they're five in the football power index. They got AndM 6 by the way. Shout out to the Aggies. Um, but here are the teams in the Big 12. Cause that's what we care about. So, they got, six, they got two in the top four. I just told you that's Oklahoma and Iowa State. Three in the top ten because they put Oklahoma State at number nine.
0: And this isn't far off of where they finished, though, last year. Because, I mean, Texas and the FBI last year finished sixth. And you had Iowa State finish 10th. You had Oklahoma State finish fifteenth. So I think the respect sort of comes with also the Big Twelve playing all every everybody. And yeah, it's it the bottom of the yeah. depth and you have TCU even at twenty one. So last year you had five of the top twenty one by the end of bowl season finish up there. So when so you already have it. that yeah. and then you play each other yeah. exactly and then the round robin schedule really is something there. You don't get any weak holes or years off. The SEC you get weak holes and point. years off when you don't have to align against really good teams in your conference. And this one, you have to play every good team in your conference.
2: That's a great point. In terms of them playing each other, I agree so with you So a lot 100%. of the metrics
0: will you, yeah. you sort of be, have them ranked higher because of the strength of schedule.
2: I agree. But that, maybe that's got to be it. Yeah. They, okay, They got Texas at 12, mm-hmm. which I think we all like, man, that's, that's pretty high for Texas too, the 4 power index. And then after that, they fill in the rest of the Big 12 teams. They have um, West Virginia at... No, so they got Texas Tech, actually, at 21. The uh West v- Yeah. They got... <laughs> so TCU's at 19, so I'm going out of order here. Sorry, I apologize. No. So they got TCU at 19, Tech at 21, and West Virginia at 24.
0: Yeah, because Tech finished 70 last year in their FPI, so that's well, was the biggest jump.
2: Nobody in the Big 12 is going to change more than tech because they lost a ton of uh players in the transfer portal and they gained a ton. They'll and it Tyler Shook, Tyler Shook the yeah. quarterback uh namely it will be the he, everybody's projecting him to be the starter and a lot of people are really high on him coming in from Oregon. Look you know, I he I was a really highly recruited kid uh coming out of Oregon. Yeah. So uh, coming into Oregon I should say. So they're really high on them and their defense is gonna look a whole lot different too. So they're banking on Texas Tech's new look offense and defense with all the transfers to make them at least competitive. So there are your six teams in the FPI top 25 in the preseason. Oklahoma at two, Iowa State at four, Tech's, Oklahoma State at nine, Texas at 12, uh, and then you have <laughs> TCU at 19, Texas Tech at 21, and West Virginia at 24.
1: Yeah. Um... By the way, we we talked about this a few weeks ago. when We talked about you know hotbeds for quarterbacks, and Texas still is the hotbed. But we talked about Arizona. And yeah. hey, Tyler Shuck's from Arizona.
2: Yeah? Is he really? Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, man, Spencer Rattler, B. John Robinson. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock Purdy. Keaton Slovis. Yeah. He's from more, he's Arizona too. Man, Arizona is a, is a hotbed, a talent. If you go look at the states that are producing the most Power 5 quarterbacks— Texas of course dominates, California of course dominates. Arizona has found itself in the top 4 or 5 states that produced the top the most power five quarterbacks in the last 3 years. He up with what Arizona's doing, In the They're past decade, we've seen it
0: come up ever yeah. since Connor Brewer came to Texas. It just made me sort of start noticing mm-hmm. whenever there'd be an Arizona guy. I mean, that's why Bijan was like, he's basically like their Ricky Williams, like the biggest thing that's ever came out. The skill yeah. positions. And then, Jake Smith. Right, and then there you go. Yeah, yeah and I'm that's telling what, you, man. I'm and they, they, don't,
2: they don't have a power there. Like Arizona and Arizona State, none of them are true powers. And Arizona, so you can Arizona go there. Arizona
1: State's and, apparently about to get oh, decimated yeah. with the NCAA yeah, like true, issues. Good point. Yeah, so you can um, go there and poach a lot. Well, yeah, don't host kids during a dead period when COVID's going on. <laughs> COVID's going on.
2: That's yeah, How did you not think that was going to come back on you? I mean, it's just probably social media evidence alone of it. Exactly. Uh, her, so her, crazy. Herm, herm
1: Edwards taking you play to win the game a little too far. But. Yeah,
2: and what the hell could they see oh, on campus herm, anyway? There was nobody her, on campus. Exactly, like, what are you bringing up there to but see? He's like, I ain't
0: ever been oh, on Twitter. Man. Don't press in. He right? has no clue I what's going know, on. Man. That's crazy.
1: Um. But, no, real quick, that's one thing I'm glad Tom Herman did, Right, and, and hiring Tim Beck was a really big part of it because Tim Beck has ties in the state of Arizona. He was the head coach at Saguaro for that's a cool. while, so he's some of the high school coaches in the state he's tied in with. I always felt like the, the Phoenix metro area in the state of Arizona, period, was kind of an untapped resource for Texas. You're right. And everybody in the country can go there, especially at a time where, you know, USC's had their issues. Uh, UCLA is not near the power they once were. You know, 15, 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. the the two Arizona schools like we talked about, neither one of those have a really strong foothold. So you can get into Arizona and find you some nice prospects. I hope that's a trend that continues under Steve Sarkeesian. And I I remember having this conversation with Blaine Irby uh, a few years ago. And he told me, he said, you know, I never figured out why after the national championship. Because Blaine Irby's from California. Okay. Uh, it was from Ventura, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, after the national championship, I don't know why Texas didn't recruit from California more. He's like, you'd be surprised after those two Rose Bowls how many kids grew up Texas fans in Southern California. It's I interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. But Tom Herman, to his credit, they, tr- they tried to recruit Southern California. And McEvick
2: went to Cali a lot, in Got the West Ricky Coast a lot. F. San Diego. Yeah. Brian,
1: yeah. Brian Westbrook was a I Cali guy. I believe he
2: is a yeah. Cali guy, yeah. No, you're right about That's interesting that Mac, yeah, I never thought about that. That's a good point. Mac never did try to capitalize when, when on, the board,
1: he on he that. Knew I mean, Blaine, that Blaine Irby was about team.
0: it. Yeah. At huh. the time he was like man it, nobody's coming to Texas. He was like he just knew that if he won Texas, he started yeah, he from the that. inside out. Yeah.
2: He knew that if he ruled if he, if he if he ruled the Iron Throne of Texas that he would basically be able to compete for national titles every year and he was right about that. Nobody the burger
0: out of the state yeah. of Miami just yeah. got to win your zone first. Yeah.
2: And nobody's been able to rule the Iron Throne since. Nobody ever will actually.
1: Rod, there's a guy you play with, Kalen Jakes. was not Kalen Jakes from California?
2: I think, believe so. I believe you are correct. Uh, maybe, I I, maybe I you're wrong. I don't fan. know. I, I can't remember. He, yeah, he could be. You could be right about that. But
1: one. no. So anyway, I digress. So yeah. back to but the Mac.
2: Mac liked Colorado. That's by. That's by as west mm-hmm. as he went. Right? He loved Colorado. Stutter, he had a ton of guys. Safe. Yeah, he yeah, loved Colorado. Safe. Yeah, I mean, Colorado Lamar was a Houston. nice untapped market. Yeah, he liked Colorado for some reason. Gotcha, Haywood.
1: Man. Yeah. 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 I tried a to get quite guys. a few guys yeah. out, of, out of the state of California. I mean, out of Colorado, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, so back to the Big 12. Really, Texas Tech at 21. Like, I know there's people I that can't have – it out either. There's people that has, think Tech, like you said, Rod, have, might have the most room for growth of anybody in the Big 12. But, man, I don't know. Just some of the in-game decisions I've seen Matt Wells make and then you're bringing in Sonny Cumbie. Can you get – the air raid up and running in one off season and does does Tyler Shuck really fit the air raid like it's it, I don't know it it's it's a jigsaw puzzle where the pieces are all scattered and they're gonna try to try to put them together in somewhat of a timely manner but I don't know tech at 21 I guess but that just shows like okay the FPI has a lot of respect for the big 12 so then in my in the kind of the The theory I worked up where I think eight wins would be a pretty good number for Steve Sarkeesian, that's where I think the bar should be in year one. Is the conference overrated right now, Rod, or is it, hey, if you have a winning record in conference play in this league, you you probably had a pretty good year. This year I think the conference is going to be
2: pretty good. I think legitimately it's going to be good. Some years, yeah, it is a little overrated. This year
1: with Oklahoma. Or we rate it lowly and we're correct about rating it
2: lowly. Yeah, like this year Oklahoma. Since Oklahoma now has a defense, which people believe is going to be a top 20 defense, to now pair with what is always a top five offense. It doesn't matter who the hell the quarterback is. It's just a genius of Lincoln Raleigh. And now you got Iowa State with arguably more returning talent than any other Power 5 team. They're right up there. And we know Matt Campbell's just a hell of a coach. It's just mm-hmm. that damn simple. Uh, and think about this. Last year, dude, they won in spite of Brock Purdy. We watched Brock Purdy last year. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just why if you're just making a, if you're just making a projection based on football, Brock Purdy was horrific last year. He didn't, he didn't actually get to the point where he was at an asset and now a liability to like mid-season. And then he, mm-hmm. he wasn't a liability, but he still wasn't playing at a really high level. So they won in spite of him. If he has a remember, he was a first-round projected quarterback after what his sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he ends up Playing at a high level, they could really – and then, by the way, they were led by the tight ends last year, and they'll still have – you know, yeah. they still got Charlie Cole considered the best tight end coming back. But their wide receivers were mm-hmm. – Tariq Milton was dealing with injuries last year. Now Xavier Hutchinson coming back, they're really high on him. So they believe the passing game is going to go to the next level. And then you got Brees Hall. Yeah. Right? And they return – They return of, everybody. They return everybody on the no line. Yeah, so that's, that's why everybody is high on them. And that's why, you, you know, I think in the Big 12, they will be nationally competitive, right? Um, and then you start looking at – what if Max Duggan has a Trevor Boykin leap?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If
2: he does, you know, Gary
1: Patterson's gonna bring the defense. Or if Max Duggan just plays half the season like he does against Texas, Amen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. If that's the case, TCU's and gonna be. That's a potentially
1: that's, a, a, ten, a nine ten win team. That's the team for me because it, it's right? Gary Patterson and defense. You know they figured out with guys like Quentin Johnson and Zach Evans, like they've either mm-hmm. kind of by. By the stars aligning or by their own volition, they've recruited pretty well at the offensive skill positions. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, man! They're really a consistent yeah. year from Max Duggan away. Rod, right from in my opinion, from maybe getting themselves in the mix with that Big Twelve championship. Year. And those
0: are the teams that are built with the infrastructure around them that they're already successful Boom. without the quarterback play. Yep, and like Parade if point. you add the quarterback, you know, yeah. like because like you said, Brock Purdy didn't live up to expectations, or you had Max Duggan not being consistent, but it hasn't mattered because, like you said, you have a Patterson defense. You got Campbell Then you got skill position guys at a school Where you usually Hmm. didn't have those guys Even when they were competing against Texas And competing in the Big 12 You didn't have top end Like Zach Evans is like the first five-star guy that you saw go to TCU and then you add in across the board. Tariq Milton's a really good athlete but when he was injured, who was the guy that stepped in was Hutchison and then you got the one player that's a skill position guy that has maybe better odds than Bijan to win a Heisman is Hall. So you have all these guys you got returned. It's exactly what you'd want if you Mm -hmm. were a team that was returning into college football to be a top 10 team that can catch also some of the powers by surprises because you still aren't that brand name on the front end, that you, TCU and Iowa State, if you're in the Big 12, you know those teams are as good as any brand name out there. To your point, Mac, that's a
2: great point. Zach Zach Evans, dude, he averaged 7.7 yards a carry last year. We, we were high on Bijan, mm-hmm. of course, and Bijan's great. Mm-hmm. But, and it wasn't like just he didn't he get like 13. Carries. No, he had 54 carries mm-hmm. and averaged over 7 yards a carry. By the way, they're running back. They might have one of the best backfields in the Big 12. I don't know if which one of these guys transferred. I think they lost one of these guys, so I'm not sure which one. They had another running back, Darin, uh Barlow.
1: Darin mm-hmm. Barlow did transfer. The, he's the one that transferred? Transferred to USC. And that
2: Good for him. God, That's you Deontay Ingram. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> by the way, I did read oh, – I forgot who it was. One of the 24-7 sports guys made a great point. Running back might be the most plentiful position right now in the transfer report. If you look at all the running backs that have come yeah. through it, they're really good. Sort a starting caliber running backs that will just hit the transfer look at the portal. the big 12 running um, backs. My Darwin, God. But Darren Barlow, to your appointment, he averaged 5.9 yards carry, but he's out. But they got Ken, uh, Kendra Miller. He averaged 7.2 mm-hmm. yards per carry. He was a running back. And think about adding that with a dual threat quarterback like Max Duggan. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, they got talent in the backfield. They, they got They got talent back there. So, If they can build that offense around Max Duggan and they got a defense, they could be a surprise team. But, by the way, we all love – you know, you start looking at, you know, Chris Kleiman. I mean, before their starting quarterback gets hurt last year, I believe they're undefeated.
1: Went to to Norman and beat Oklahoma. Right. Beat them at home. What, What? No. When was it? No, they went to Norman Kansas and beat them. Yeah, yeah. they right? beat them twice in a row last year. Was in Norman. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I mean, you think about there were un- and Chris Kleiman's is a hell of a coach. Chris Kleiman, his first year probably could end up winning ten games. I mean, I believe they had three losses by a combined like twelve. They had that
1: lost to Texas at the gun.
2: Yeah, like they yeah. had three losses by like in combined like ten to twelve points. Like they they were really really competitive that first year. But now you're gonna bring back their starting quarterback who they were undefeated and he's a super senior, right? He's cutting on. He's like his fifth or sixth year. His name escapes me at the present moment. Kansas State? Yeah, uh, he has a really cool name, but I escaped. his Kansas State quarterback. Yeah, Scholar Thompson. Yes, Scholar
1: Thompson. Thank yeah. you very much.
2: And he's a, like a fifth, sorry, I was
1: reading something on TCU fifth
2: or bro. sixth year senior or whatever. So he's coming back, and I mean they got Deuce fun one of the most exciting players in the country. Hell, Texas couldn't stop him last mm-hmm. year. Um, so I don't know. I I like. K- I think K
1: State could it'd be a surprise <laughs> team because Chris
2: Kleiman's a hell of a coach, man. You
1: know who my surprise team is? Baylor. Oh. Because you get Terrell Bernard back really on defense. And it's David it's David Randa at defense. You think you figure like they're gonna figure it out. And they weren't bad on defense last year. I would year. say Jeff so, Grimes the
2: hire was a great hire. Yeah, they brought in the BYU offensive oh, coordinator. Oh man, he's great. You're gonna love his offense. And I don't know if he's got a quarterback to run it, but that BYU offense is schematically, it is brilliant.
1: Rod, they've got a lot of guys on offense. What are talking about? RJ Sneed, Taquan Thornton. Uh, Z- Z- no, you Xavier, know what? I Xavier, thought about Xavier that. Newman on the offensive line. Trusted Ebner. You got a lot of guys on that offense that have played a lot of college football. Straight it's just—is it Gary Bohannon? Is it Jacob Zeno? Like, can they find a competent quarterback? Like, t- it's point. different. That's what Baylor's like. TCU light for me because Max Duggan's at least competent. Can he take the next step and be good, consistently good? Yeah. And then yeah. you're talking about can he be great? Baylor's just trying to find competence at that position. Pretty right much. Now. Yeah. And I agree with
2: you on that. I think defensively, I'm with you. I think they bring back some good pieces. I thought Terrell Bernard,
1: before he got hurt, he was the best defensive player in the Big 12 last year.
2: I can agree with that. And he's a perfect hybrid defensive player for the Big 12. He's a hybrid defender, and I, I, I love him too. I'm a big
1: fan Why of his Why Tom too. Herman didn't bring him from U of H is a mystery to me, but such is life. Uh-huh.
2: Exactly. A lot of <laughs> mystery surrounding Tom Herman. But, and then you start looking at, and then you go, keep going down, right? Then you go to Texas Tech. Why people really, why is Texas Tech getting even a little bit of love? Well, Tyler Shook coming in. They're the wild um, card, man. They are the wild card. Remember, he came in, and he wasn't terrible. He started the seven games he started, 64.8 completion percentage, 9.4 yards per attempt, 16 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Not terrible. So in Texas Tech, the insert quarterback here, you know, uh, air raid offense, Maybe they can unlock something within him. And you start looking at – I went and looked at the transfer. This was a few weeks ago, so it probably, you know, is, has changed since then. But last this time I looked good, at it – a
1: good picture, though, Rocket Snapshot.
2: Yeah, last time I looked at it, and uh, props to uh, 24-7 Sports, because you guys do the transfer mm-hmm. portal now. If you mm-hmm. haven't it, go find – I don't even know where you can find it, at like the transfer portal – uh, they keep up with team, team transfer, portal acquisitions,
0: and losses. 24-7 is the only
1: place you can find that it. The only place you can find it. Only yes. by
2: keeping up with it. And I looked at it, and they, they, they do it based on a period. So I believe this goes all the way back like to the— If,
1: you, if you're at Horns 24-7 you look at the main drop-down menu, like you've got news, board, yeah. etc. cetera, go to football recruiting, and there's a section under the football recruiting tab that's just titled Transfer Portal. It's awesome. It's quick it, and easy. Here. It's a rabbit hole. You you'll get yeah. lost down there, dude.
2: Because you, you start looking at all the teams and what they lost and what they mm-hmm. gained, and you just don't realize. Dude, some teams, college football is going to be so different now with the one-time transfer waiver. It makes it so you can transfer. Yes, yeah, like, so that's free agency. And then the transfer portal just now is so robust, it used to be seen as something that was you know shameful. It's was like, oh, he's a transfer portal guy. He's got yep. issues. Now everybody hits a transfer portal. So it's just so robust. It's going to change the landscape because the team can really – even basketball or football, you can really change your DNA almost overnight. But getting to the tech thing, last month, because I think this goes back like to the season, too. This goes back because I mean, they, they calculated in just a certain period. Okay. They've lost 16 guys through the transfer portal based in this, this period that they've calculated, um, and they've gained eight. But the eight they've gained, four or five of those guys are projected starters. Like they, got, they got more in. They got more value in than they lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think they actually want to operate this way because this gives you know, the, the coaches their best chance to kind of start anew. Um, and really change yeah. the DNA of his best, starting with the quarterback, of course.
0: Well, right, and the transfer portal is so big whenever you talk about it. I think it actually will add fan engagement the way that, you know, n- nowadays like the NBA and the NFL free agency is the biggest deal, I and mean, it gets fan engagement. So whenever you add that layer to the fandom for college football, it could help. But if we're getting back to the X's and O's and just talking about this season, another big part of why the Big 12 may be – forecasted to be a bit more successful than other conferences this year now it doesn't fit well for texas but it's because on a year-to-year basis defense doesn't necessarily correlate to next year's defense defense has a lot more volatility a lot more variance but we're talking about Offense, And we're talking about schools like, say, Iowa State and TCU. We just went through all their offensive players that are coming back and that are key players. And then when you have big time players like guys like Bijan or a mind like Sark coming on offense that really you can have continuity year to year and you can see correlation directly between offenses and be a little bit more predictive. Football, year-to-year defense, is about as less predictive as anything. It's the one that they'll tell people to bounce around, and that's one reason why the Big 12 maybe has a little bit of a heads-up going into the season if you have a little bit more continuity on offense and you can get away with less continuity defensively.
1: Well, what's interesting, though, like with Texas Tech, as much turnovers they've had, Rod, and this is the other thing that I think, I'm sure it's this way in other leagues, but we're just talking about the Big 12, and that's the the scope we view things through here on the show and covering Texas. Covid eligibility is going to be a big player. Yeah, you're right. there, there are guys like I mm-hmm. look at the Texas great Tech point. roster and I'm like, Adrian Fry's still there. DeMarcus Fields is still mm-hmm. there. Uh, a guy like Rico Jeffers, I'm like, some of y'all have graduated by now. and that's random,
2: right? That some teams are going to really benefit from that. Mm-hmm. And some teams aren't going to benefit yeah. that much from it.
1: Like you know, like a team like Alabama, they're not going to have a ton of super seniors. Nope. No. But ba- like. Baylor and Texas Tech in this league, yeah, point. they're, they're going to load up on them. That's a great point, and
2: they're going to be loaded with them. And continue like the discussion about you know the Big Twelve. I don't know why people are how on Oklahoma State. They're the big mystery to me. Yeah, like, I don't get. They lost Trouba Hubbard. They lost Tyler Wallace. Exactly. Spencer Sanders is a. We all agree that he's high risk, high reward. He's we a take turnover away his weapons,
0: to It's a lot different.
2: Exactly. So, but I think getting back to Matt's point because I think Matt made a good point though. Maybe they're looking at the Big 12 a little bit through a defensive prism, and they're saying, man, Oklahoma, cause Oklahoma State's defense was really good. And Oklahoma State, by the way, that's, it's not, that's not a blip. That's not an outlier. They give Mike Gundy credit. He, he admitted, he said, five years ago, somewhere around there, they changed their, the way they recruited. They started offering more scholarships on defense, and they started actually changing the, the mentality of recruiting where he says in the back in the back seven guys, mm-hmm. he doesn't even recruit specifically DBs or linebackers out of high school. He just gets body types. Yeah. And he said, I'm just going to get body types, guys who are long, mm-hmm. rangy, mm-hmm. athletic, and then we're going to put some weight on some guys. And some of these guys are going to grow into safeties. Some guys are gonna end up as a corner. Some guys are gonna end up as a linebacker, and that's why they got a lot of hybrid defenders in their back seven. You go know, look at their linebacking core. Hell, you know, guys played safety out of the high school. Guys play different positions um, because they're using hybridism as their really their kind of their building block, their, their the basis yeah. for their blueprint. And it's really worked out for them. So maybe people Good. are just high on the defense. I think they bring back a lot of
1: defenders. To your point, Rod. Like if you look at their, the way their defense is constructed, they've got their three down linemen, and you've got guys like Israel Antoine and Tyler Lacey who played they've got a lot of snaps under their belt trace ford is their edge guy but then after that they're back seven i mean i'm just looking at their depth chart right now the one i'm looking at they list three safeties the starters yeah and they're all guys i exactly mean right. we've seen a lot of colby harville peel trey sterling oh, and yeah. tanner McAllister. and
2: you and sometimes you don't know where they're gonna end up playing yeah. so if you're texas trying to game plan you're like damn last year he, he was playing I mean, last game he was in a nickel and and he, now they got him playing strong safety over he here. Malcolm Field Rodriguez
1: safety. is another guy linebacker that's been there for a God, while he's and played a lot a of football. And then, I mean, Jarek Bernard Converse coming back at corner. Yeah. Uh, the,
2: I wouldn't track that uh, the guys coming out of high school, some of got guys, Malcolm Rodriguez, he was a safety coming out in high school. He's a
0: linebacker. We oh, played some high school quarterback too. Yeah. You, about yeah. you know more than I do about recruiting, which is, I mean, that is something that should be pointed out. That's so much more valuable. I mean, high IQ players, like you always point out how Brooks was one of those. And that's what made him connect so quickly on the back end. If you're a guy, just a high IQ defended yep. in space, modern defense needed. Whenever you have these offenses using these RPOs in this deception.
2: Yep. That's right. I mean, you just go look at it down the list. All their defenders, you go look, and they're all kind of like six foot, uh, and they're six foot six one. And you can tell coming out of high school, that's basically they just kind of put weight on them and watch their body grow. That's Oklahoma State's. That's now their ideal um defender. It's just a just a great athlete on the back end I that can their run. Their
1: corners were really good last year. Rodarius Williams and Greedy Bernard. Bernard
2: yeah, oh, Is he the cousin of Greedy or the brother? He needs uh, related to Greedy. Rodarius Williams. He's related to Greedy. Brother. He's bro. a brother. Yeah. yeah, he's related to Greedy. Yeah. Greedy's bro. Uh greedy's bro. But but I wouldn't track it to the defense for the Big 12, though. And it's I think I think the Big Twelve is, we all agree, it has been the on the forefront offensively. Mm. Right? The NFL is coming to the Big Twelve. The NFL loves the Big Twelve coaches, right? Because they love the, the hybrid spread schemes and love the offensive evolution. They courted Lincoln Riley offered Matt Campbell. Honestly, I look at all the leagues across uh, college football, the big power five leagues. No league has their head coaches who are courted more by the NFL than the Big Twelve. Well, what are you and- talking about Matt Rule? What are you talking about Lincoln Riley? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about Matt Campbell? Cliffy. Cliffy, Cliffy, gets fired and he gets hired in the league. So, so I'm not saying that they're better than the rest of the power five coaches. No, I'm just saying no. like they the NFL is thinking offense. Yeah. And they want to come to well, the Big 12. And then they want
0: to obviously see how do you, how do they defend them? Yes, I mean. exactly.
2: So if it's it, it it stands to it stands to reason that if the Big 12 is on the offensive brink all the time, right? Of mm-hmm. on the cusp of offensive evolution and and progressive uh, progression, then defensively somebody's gonna adapt to that. I think we just talked about how John Heacock did it at Iowa State. I think that's the beginning. But I think you're starting to see it all across the board. And you're starting to see it on really statistically on the field. The Big 12 had five teams finish the season in the top 20 of the defensive. Uh, FEI rankings, uh, defensive efficiency rankings, more than any other conference in college football in 2020. It was the most for the Big 12 since at least 2007. That's as far back as I could go. The Big 12 also had five teams finish the season in the top 20 of the defensive SP Plus rankings for Mm -hmm. the first time since 2010. So this is not a coincidence.
1: Six in the top 35. Exactly, yeah,
2: not a coincidence, gentlemen. That is the Big Twelve defensive coordinators, who, by the way, now looking really good. Defensive minds: Gary Patterson, John Heacock, Dave Aranda, Alex Grinch, Jim Knowles. Now, Kudakowski. Mm-hmm. Hell, it's about to become a defensive conference again. And life is a circle.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you want to get tech <laughs> on the SP Plus, uh, seven teams in the league finished forty second or better. Yeah. And defensive SP Plus, Baylor was forty uh, second. And then I, I looked at it too, Rod. You had one, two, three, four, five, six defenses in the league gave up 5.37 5. yards per player fewer last year. Yeah.
2: it's think it's the best offensive minds. In college football,
1: mm-hmm. I mean Oklahoma five point one nine, Iowa State five point three seven, Texas five two two, Oak State five three two, TCU five three two, West Virginia four six five. The where it starts it to drop off, Baylor at five and a half. Baylor but a little over five and a half per play, and then K State six over six point one. Uh, Texas Tech even Texas Tech. 5.73 yards per play, for them, that's not Oh, no, they awful. Texas Tech has, has then, switched it up a little on defense. you've got Kansas at 6'3". Six, six yeah. no,
2: you, And now you'll have – I was say West Virginia. That was like – they didn't even have a defensive coordinator last year. Remember they had oh, a – <laughs> the, they had a – they were calling it by committee, I think, or something uh, weird.
1: Canning got fired? Like, yeah. In, and, like and right around this and they were like You're the they were like a top – Top defense in they, the Big 12. They were number one in the league yeah. in uh, in yards per play allowed. And they bring back one of them, Steele's brothers. I forget. I think no. it, Don't it, matter it, which it, one.
2: Exactly. I think it's Darius, but I don't know. I can, maybe it's Dante. I don't know. Whichever. Darius or Dante. Either one on beast mode. Could end up being the defensive player of the year in the Big 12 or defensive lineman of the year in the Big 12. They're that good. So, yeah, we haven't even talked about West Virginia. We had not even brought up West Virginia. <laughs> The they got Letty men. Brown coming Dante back. Dante Stills is beat. Dante. All right, Darius is in the league somewhere. Then Dante. Yeah, Dante's a beast. We hadn't brought up West Virginia, dude. West Virginia. They end up making a move. They bring back a veteran quarterback too.
1: Yeah, with Jared Dagie yeah. and Letty Brown. Letty Brown can run. Yeah, yeah Letty Brown's an athlete like, at that point. This is just like people are like, oh my gosh, is this they running back renaissance in the Big Twelve? No, the Big Twelve's been producing really good running backs for a few years now. This is true. Just some of you. College football for a long time. We talked about the Doak Walker Award winner five yeah, that years you ago. You don't here. think yeah. that college football exists outside of those fourteen That's teams true. covering the southern United States? Like once you venture outside there, you realize yeah. oh, other there are other leagues out there, mm-hmm. and some of them do yeah, play really good, really good players. Football, yeah, <laughs> and they have good players. Yeah, I agree with you. But yeah, like West Virginia, I'm a big Rod. You know, I've talked about. I'm a big Neil Brown fan. Yeah, I, I like what they do, and you know he's. Had a different model on how to build it than Dana Holgerson did. And he's got a couple recruiting classes in now. And, I mean. They almost beat Texas last year. Yeah.
2: They were really Uh, close. It was like, if not for a a, kind of a goal line stand by the defense, I said red zone stand by the defense. hell, Texas loses that game. Yeah. Was it a PBU by Chris Brown or something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Where the hell is Chris Brown? Where the hell is Chris Brown? Dude, did he not want to play football anymore? Or the NFL team yeah, got blind? Say, they wouldn't even bring him into might be a training for camp the office
0: or something. He's he might be, be really smart. somebody must
2: have gave him a really good job. And, and congrats, Chris Brown. Because Chris Brown, I'm telling you right now, you had a shot to play on Sundays. You trust me. Yeah. I've watched enough football to know you had a shot to play on Sundays. I watched your trajectory and the way you improved. Nobody broke Chris Brown in for a workout?
0: Yeah, I'm double-checking what the still. Hell hell is, I feel
2: like – I feel like Vince LeBright. What the hell
0: is going on? Yeah, man. I don't, Isn't that so. crazy,
2: Jeff? Never yeah. heard anything. Brennan Eagles is out there working yes. out with the cowboys. cowboys need a safety. Cowboys, you got two sixth-round starting safeties. You can use Chris Brown in your training camp right yeah, now. Yeah, at least
0: on your
1: practice squad. At least
2: on your practice squad. You gotta
0: be kidding. What is happening? I'm,
1: I'm like, I'm not gonna name any names, but we've seen Texas guys during this dec, the last forgettable decade, that got cups of coffee with NFL teams. Which, are like, really, that guy?
2: That, that Chris Brown was better than that guy. I'm not gonna say who those guys are, but you're right.
1: <laughs> you can go through your mental roller decks, run down the list, and say Chris Brown's better than that guy, that guy, that guy. Probably should have got a ch- at as least a, a as, a, as a camp body. You might say he should
2: have tra- exactly just bring 90. Part of the 90. There are, there are 32 teams with 90 guys on the roster. You telling me Chris Brown could have been one of 100 Some
1: teams? odd better safeties. <laughs> on, Honestly, man. the football
2: focus said he was the second best player on the team. Yeah, I mean, sorry, defensive player on the team yeah. behind Joseph Osai. What the hell?
0: Well, and it's then you crazy. always see these guys that get signed to camps that are local type guys. You know, like you would think an Elsick wow. guy like him would maybe be picked up by the Texans for the a tex- practice squad. Texas
2: or Cowboys? Texans got the worst roster in the league potentially. Yes. Texans could use them. Cowboys secondary is worse than the Texans <laughs> in terms of overall talent. They could use them. I just, I'm just saying. I
1: mean, the Cowboys are leaning on Donovan Wilson. Even, <laughs> even Aggie fans will tell you, like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> nah, slow down.
2: It's just crazy to me. Anyway, sorry, random rank. No,
1: nah, it's all good. Uh, so so maybe Rod, I think we've kind of convinced ourselves maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I think the Big Twelve is gonna be pretty good this year. It's got a lot of upside. Yeah. It, we don't know how it's gonna work out, right?
2: Oklahoma State. We don't why I looked at the ELO ratings for Pro Football Focus. That's their ELO ratings and rankings. They got Oklahoma State twenty. The Big like Twelve. Is,
1: the Big Twelve is a good stock right now.
2: The fourth, the fourth Big Twelve team. They got OU at five. Uh, sorry, third Big 12 team. They got Texas at 17, Oklahoma State at 20.
1: You know, we, we haven't hit media days yet. Yeah, they got them at all the state. We haven't hit media days yet, so it's still, we're kind of in that, everybody's kind of ramping up, getting the low, we're in the low period right yeah. now before you get to media days next month. I think the Big 12 is a good stock. Like, before everybody starts talking about it, and, you know, not that you can go buy college football conferences of stocks, but if you're a college football fan and you don't have an attachment to a league, yeah, you can you can go ahead and buy the Big 12 right now cause, and see where that stock goes. Just see if it can rise a little bit.
2: I can't wait to watch the offensive minds and the defensive minds You know, in the chess match in the Big 12 now. I mean, think about it. top four offenses. If you look at the best single-season offensive points per drive in college football since 2007, number one is 2020 Bama, number two is 2020 BYU, number three is 2019 Bama. Number four
1: is Oklahoma Smart, in 2018. Brimes, Lincoln Riley. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, you're, you're, so they're all in the Big 12 now, right, calling plays. And then I just let you know about the defensive minds now. You got Quitkowski, you got Gary Patterson, John Heacock, Dave Miranda, Alex Grint, Jim Knowles. Really respect the defensive minds now. And it's going to be fun watching these guys match wits in the Big 12. And I think that's, that's got to be part of why people are hounding the Big 12 too. know, as a coaches, man. I love the Big 12 coaches. I mean, listen, we talk trash on, you know, Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy is one of those, you know, uh, tenured coaches in college football. Yeah. Right, been around for a long Gary Gary Pat- We look at, look at the dinosaurs of college football now. A lot of them in the Big 12. Yeah. Gary Patterson. Old heads. Mike Gundy, yes. <laughs> old heads now. And then Lincoln Riley, of course, is, you know, everybody thinks Lincoln Riley is the next great uh, offensive mind in football. Like, he's got a Bill Walsh-like presence about him. And, honestly, his track record with quarterbacks. That seems to be that at least he's on that type of trajectory. Like, he's really good. And the NFL, they love him. The NFL just offered Matt Campbell. I want to say they offered him a $70 million contract. The Detroit Lions did. Mm, that, re, re, Seven, he turned allegedly. down $70 million. That's amazing. Nah, I think he did. Dan Campbell even brought it up. Did you, Dan Campbell brought up. Oh, Matt. Dan Campbell's the one who brought it up? Remember Dan Campbell doing his press conference? He yeah. said, He said. I think they got the wrong Campbell. <laughs> 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 did
0: I do it awesome? like, he he's a He's <laughs> he a knows. caveman. Yeah, he's and like, he knows he, Matt, Matt Campbell's he, smart. Yeah, he
2: knows. He's like, nah, they wanted that Campbell. They offered him $70 million. So I don't think he got as much as Matt. So my point is the NFL loves the Big 12. The Big 12, I think, is in a prime position to assert itself this year. At Oklahoma, unfortunately, for Texas fans, leading the way.
1: Dan Campbell's going to have one of those coaching tenures in the league, Rod. He's not just going to be okay. Either, either the Lions are going to be a contender really quick or he's going to flame out in two years. It's gonna yeah. be fun bo- to watch, it though. Is, <laughs> it is gonna be boom <laughs> or bust. I agree That's with you. How his I can't see team. it really working. I now. can't coach see is- Dan Campbell just being. I just being. And eh, we're nine and seven every year. You know, yeah, we're right,
2: we're right on the cusp. Your coach is like. What was the last time we saw a coach like that? That you know is that wowed at his press conference. You know, he's talking about biting off kneecaps and stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah. he talked about bringing a lion. He wants a lion as a pet. He's joking. He's joke. All this stuff is in jest. Like, he's joking. Yeah. He's yes. obviously joking. But it was that time we've seen a coach with I that hope. style. Honestly, I would take that back. Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel's like that. Yeah, my is label very much. He, jo- he has but jokes. He literally
0: said he would cut off his own exactly. penis to be able to go. So maybe it's
2: a to... new age thing. Maybe it's like now you're going back to like the players types of coaches where you know these guys. And he was can... that guy.
0: Whenever he replaced Philbin with the Dolphins, he did all this same stuff when he was the head coach already one other time.
1: Yeah. No, you might. you're might. right about that. One thing I want to mention real quick before we get out of here, uh, and I think this, Rod, is the problem with the Big 12 and, and why we – I mean, we know this league, but why we had to kind of talk ourselves into it, man, it's a perception issue. And I think looking at Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio for 2021, I think it's a perfect example of the perception of the league. And, and – And I bring the blue-chip ratio up, and and I don't know if you guys want to continue this next week, or it's kind of an ongoing conversation we have about recruiting and development and Mm. everything that falls under that umbrella. But for all the people that say, nah, recruiting doesn't matter, Colt McCoy (laughs) was a three-star. No, no, it it matters. Mm -hmm. A ton. It it matters a whole hell of a lot. Yes, it does. If you look at Bud Elliott's blue-chip ratio for 2021, and this is the current percentage of your roster made up of four- and five-star recruits in the Mm 24-7 sports composite rankings, Alabama leading the way. With a blue chip ratio, eighty four percent. Eighty four percent of Alabama's roster is made up of four Good and five Lord. star prospects. Like Bud even admitted, if Nick Saban would stop signing specialists, that percentage would be even higher. Good Kickers Lord. and punters are bringing it down. Wow, <laughs> I think
2: it was that it was close to that last year too when they won a the national uh, title. Georgia,
1: right, Georgia number two, eighty percent.
2: That's why a lot of people. Are getting tired of Kirby Smart there in Georgia yeah. because they're saying you're recruiting on a level to beat Alabama yeah. and it's not happening. But I think Georgia should just settle down. Kirby Smart will beat Nick Saban at yeah, one point. Yeah, because that was like sort
0: of how Dabo <laughs> and Clemson were yeah. for the first few years because yeah. they were getting the talent, they just still yeah. weren't fully uh, yeah. getting it. Yeah. And they
2: got Todd Monk in there. They're hoping to make an LSU type leap. They got Todd Monk in there. He's going to run. He's a. He's a he's a he's a fan of the air raid, but not from the air raid tree. So he'll bring in a more modernized offense. Uh-huh. And they got a five star quarterback there in JT Daniels.
1: JT Daniels number three on this list. Ohio State, seventy nine percent of their roster, yeah. blue chip guys. Yeah, a lot of those are Texas guys. <laughs> number, number four, <laughs> number four on this list, Clemson, sixty seven percent of Clemson's roster. Of yeah, blue Clemson
2: chips. are they're OKG kind of philosophy. Our kind of guys. It's not all just five and four stars
1: with them. They, they do get, a little different.
2: Remember Isaiah Simmons? What was he? Like, not he, even rated? No, know, like he could... was,
1: I think he ended up being a four-star guy. Did he really? Kansas, yeah. yeah. But he's from Kansas. He's from Kansas. If he played in Texas or Florida or California, you'd probably have been a five-star guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you was the, for the, all, all of you out there who say, oh, recruiting doesn't matter. You're, again, your top four teams in a blue-chip ratio, percentage of four- and five-star guys making up your roster, your top four teams are Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson. Mm-hmm. Tell me recruiting doesn't matter. It matters, man. Just and because
0: Texas hasn't developed so
1: their guys. And by the way, don't. Texas
2: is not far from those. So guys. why Bud? Mm-hmm. B-
1: why Bud concocted this list and did the data, pretty much to win a national championship. And there are two teams, the two teams that have come closest to busting his theory: 2014 Oregon with Marcus Mariota, and 2016 Clem or 2015 Clemson mm. with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, those teams had under a 50 percent blue chip ratio. See that. Every other national champion though that Bud's tracked has had 50% or better blue-chip ratio. Mm. So I mentioned those top four, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. There's four programs with a 66% blue-chip ratio. LSU, Oklahoma, Florida, and Texas. Mm. So this goes back to the point, Rod. Can this team compete in the Big 12 in year one? Can Mm. they go win them eight or nine games? Talent's there. Talent's there. Talent's there. Sounds there, and develop- we've been
0: we're, we're talking about not developing it for a decade. So you this know, is why you hope the new staff can do it.
1: And I went back, like Bud does this article every year, and I love it. I went I know, back and looked so at good. some of his historical stuff. It's so like, good. I think Texas crossed the fifty percent threshold in eighteen. I think was the first year Texas got over fifty percent since, got like, since Max run. But like Charlie Strong's second year, I think, or maybe it was the first year. I mean, they were they were under fifty percent. They were like in the low to mid forties.
2: I have. Texas with Bud had 2014, he had Texas at 60%. Okay. And then 2015, he had him at 55%, 2016, 50%, 2017, 46%. Okay, that was it. it. That was Harmers. He dipped down to Harmers' first year. Then 2018, there at 55%. And they got back up there. Yeah, in 2019.
1: Uh, they were in the low 60s, I think.
2: No, they're in, yeah, 60%. They're right at 60%. And then 2020, of course, they actually took 64%. So Tom Herman did improve the roster. And how about this? Because I went back and looked at as far back as you could go, Texas Texas basically has been top 10 every year since 2018, and top they were top five in 2020. So the, the roster is improving and getting better. And by the way, Oklahoma, since the blue chip ratio has been a thing since Bud Elliott uh, came up with it. Oklahoma's never had a higher blue chip ratio in Texas. No, nope, they, they, no school in the Big Twelve has a higher Big Twelve, sorry, higher blue chip ratio in Texas. But their no, can
0: elevate you exactly, when you so got a Lincoln Riley. Exactly, goes to tell you
2: about the issues that Texas has. Texas getting beat by teams who have players that Texas didn't want.
1: Yes, <laughs> this, this goes back. This goes back to something we kind of talked about last week. And uh, and Dennis Dodd. I don't know if you guys saw any of the stuff Dennis Dodd did kind of a three-part series he did on the Nick Saban coaching car wash. Yeah, I read that. And he's got some stuff from Sark in there. That, to me, Rod, was why you hired Steve Sarkisian. Like, if you just Mm. wanted to kind of be right there and win, you know, eight games or whatever every year, keep Tom Herman, whatever, because that's kind of where the ceiling was going to be for Texas football under Tom Herman. But you hired Steve Sarkisian – To give you a, and and I don't know if this is one of the CDC's thought process, but for me, this is why you do it. You do it to give you that schematic advantage that you weren't getting with Tom Herman, yeah. Because in this league, having talent isn't enough. Mm -mm. This this isn't this isn't Rod your era of Texas.
2: eh, It ain't enough for Texas.
1: This isn't your (laughs) era of Texas, Rod, where you were just so much more talented than everybody, pretty much, but Oklahoma.
2: I disagree with that. I think you are so much more talented than everybody else, except Oklahoma. Right now, you based on your based on the based on the recruiting rankings, Texas Texas has dude, no joke, dude. Texas in the history of college football, Texas no program has wasted more talent than Texas. Based on the recruiting rankings, yeah. mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. you go look at the bust rates, you go look at blue chip ratios, I will not disagree Chris with Homer's that. Uh, what 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 development rate development yep, rate? You budge. go look at it. No, I'm I'm not joking, guys. I know it sounds like this is hyperbole and Rob oh Robbie going crazy. Again. No, no, it's true. It's a great stat here. If you look at just blue chip ratio, all right. And I got this, make sure I get the right stat here. Okay. So Texas had the highest blue chip ratio in the Big Twelve, um, basically since its inception. If you go look at like if you go look at it all the way back, if you wanna try yeah. to track it, it, it. It's and Texas has won how many Big Twelve titles?
1: Three all time.
0: And that's the thing. I mean, we've talked about the lack of development and then the lack of scheme. And at some point, you don't have one or the other or you don't have both. Meanwhile, Oklahoma steamrolling because they develop and have the scheme. Texas win percentage, all right, from 2010 to
2: 2020, 56.5%. Their blue chip ratio from 2010 to 2020 is 65%. They're the only FBS team with a lower win percentage than a blue chip ratio in that time span.
1: I think Matt just hit it on the head, though. <laughs> I, I think I think Matt hit it exactly right. When you look at Texas in in this era, like starting with Mac Brown's first year in '98, and kind of this this new kind of new millennium of college football, when Texas has been been developing players and has a somewhat of a schematic advantage, they're competing for national championships. Mm-hmm. They're right there. And Rod, I think your era talent was getting developed. And the scheme was there, I think, it was definitely there on defense because you guys, was it 2000, you guys were number one in the country in total defense? And uh, 2001, I yes. believe. Yeah, yeah. The 2000, one of we those country. years you were number one, in, I think 2000. 2001, were were, we were really you, good. You were in 2000, I think you were number one in the country in pass efficiency really defense. Yeah, 2000 were really good. Uh, so defensively, it was there. Offensively, we know early Greg Davis and some of the big yeah. games. It just, it just wasn't struggled there. Struggled a little bit. But you were developing talent. You had that part of it. Yeah, I'll give you that. In this last decade, this goes back to your thought about the offensive identity crisis, that multi, that hydra when we talk about development. Mm-hmm. You haven't had a schematic advantage and you haven't been developing talent. And Therefore, you, you get, in terms of winning percentage, the worst decade in school history. Yep. yep. And even
0: when you still had a talent advantage at the end of the Mac era, it became or uh, that you weren't scheming them into the situation. Right, but once a- after '09 happened, then you're putting square pegs in round holes. So it's just not been able to have everything aligned at the same time.
1: So that's hmm. basically that. That's how Sark's going to get Texas back. Can you develop talent, and can you be the guy that gives Texas a schematic advantage? When you go, can you make an Oklahoma game against Lincoln Riley? Can you make it a legitimate chess match?
2: And Quitkowski K- too, It's going to yeah. be a big part of that. And you're right, because last year, Texas should have beat Oklahoma. They've been to benching Spencer Rattler in the game. Yes. Uh, it, Sam Ellinger tries his Damn this to put the team on his shoulders and lead them to victory. All you would have needed was a little bit of schematic advantage. Probably just play Bijan more and you probably would have been okay. But if yeah. you know, just a little bit of a schematic advantage in that game, Texas wins that game. Okay. And mm-hmm. Texas puts the kibosh on Oklahoma and then they're not even in the Big 12 title discussion anymore. But you couldn't do that Or you my, couldn't give yourself my, a schematic my advantage. My point of
1: contention would be a Tom Herman just gone for two at the end of the second overtime That's another after sc- Sam Ellinger yeah. goes for – rips off that 25-yard touchdown. you got their Oklahoma's backs against the wall. I'm not going to get in a shootout with Lincoln Riley. I'm not going to – why am I going to give a Lincoln Riley offense 25-yard fields to work with? I'm with you. I'm, I, I agree. you shooting things, your own foot off at that
2: point. All those things would have been decisions made by the coach that could have helped Texas mm-hmm. win the game. You're right. Yeah. I agree with you.
1: Yeah. So, I think, Matt, I think just summed it up when, when if you look at – historically when Texas has developed talent and given them and had a schematic advantage they're one of the best programs in the country. So Sark is going to solve
2: one of those problems initially, right? Schematic Mm -hmm. advantage. But the talent development thing is deeply interwoven into the the fabric of the culture now,
0: for some reason, because you got to know and, your personnel, yeah, and that's so, what was so big yeah. from 04 to 09 The talent advantage was there, the scheme was there, and the implementation yeah. was there. And you, you're malleable from Vy to the Colt McCoy era. We talk about the adjustments in the '08 OU game. I think and in the way point, to mass things, it's just that yeah. was that window, and that's where you you haven't had them aligned since then.
1: It's funny. I had a conversation with Colt McCoy on Friday. Uh, he had a, That's he fun. a camp out at Saint Michaels and we did an on-air interview and we were just talking about that and you know different the different offenses he studied mm-hmm. now he's with Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona and he said you know he's like basically he's like he's like at Texas we were a pro style offense he's like until Blaine Irby got hurt mm-hmm. like and then Jordan Jordan was, like, Jordan was just playing playing that wide position like we basically on the fly kind of turned into a 10 person all offense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and and we're malleable that way um but not i mean it, so I'll wrap it up by asking this, Rod. In your opinion, and, and I just—if you don't agree with me, that's fine. Please say so. I think at this point for Sark, I think the schematic advantage has to come first, mm-hmm. because I think the talent, the kind of talent you need to recruit and get on campus to compete for and win conference and national championships—guys like Evan Stewart, guys like Arch Manning, guys like Ruben Owens—this program's at a point where. New coaches selling hopes and dreams, and we think it can happen. And maybe you get a mulligan in the first year. That ain't gonna work anymore. Yeah, you've got to come right out of the box and put a product on the field mm-hmm. that recruits say, "Damn, I want to go be a part of that."
2: Yeah, because right now, um, from folks that I've talked to, the the negative recruiting pitch against Texas is because they got so much momentum now, and that and and Sark and his staff they are really good at uh, kind of showcasing. The glamour of Texas with the brand, the recruiting weekend last week with Arch Manning and all those guys really kind of showcased that. They were actually talking about how Alabama is kind of the antithesis of Texas. Mm-hmm. You have you seen anything about Arch Manning's visit at Alabama not on one. social media? Not one damn photo, not anything. If I just showed him the national titles, showed him the first-round picks, and said, "What's your choice? We don't need to show y'all that other stuff. We don't need
0: to do all no that. Fluff Let's get here. right to it. Yeah.
2: You want to win titles and you want to be drafted number one overall, all right? Yeah, come on, come to Bama." So anyway, but I digress. I, I do think that the recruiting pitch now is wait. Wait to see it. I say, why are you jumping on the bandwagon right now? I think even for Ruben Owens, why are you jumping on the bandwagon now, man? You got time to jump on the bandwagon. If it's good, as they say it's going to be good, then you can, you can decide for yourself. All right? The product will speak for itself. But right now, it's just hype. Tom Herman had it too. John strong, strong had it too. Mack himself, he had it too. They right that had, way. Texas got more hype than anybody. They're more style than substance. I'm telling you with recruiting pitches, this is not me. They're more style than substance, so wait until and see if Sark can actually put it on the field. And right now, I think recruits are like, yeah, I'm going to wait to see. That's the, that's the negative recruiting pitch. By the way, negative recruiting is like peeing in the shower. Everybody does it. Nobody wants to admit to it. So, but Texas, that's the pitch against Texas right now. Because they can't really, nothing else really works against Sark because we're in the honeymoon phase and he's brand new. There's nothing to really yeah. hate on Sark about right now. Everything's like, oh, he's going to be ju- he's gonna be Bama with Texas players. And we all know that ain't going to be true. Mm, no. <laughs> we just told you why Bama's different. Yes. Not only because Nick Saban's running the show and he's got a whole lot less responsibility. He's just calling the damn plays. Nick Saban's running the show. And by the way, there have been other guys there who have run the show and done really good under Nick Saban. That just goes without saying. And you have the most talented roster in the history of college football. Not just the most talented roster in college football. No, no. They are the most talented roster in the history of basketball, ball, and it's, it's the same way every year with Bama. So until Did he they, comes to Texas and can replicate that on some level, yes, he, to me, the negative recruiting pitch against Texas is just wait, 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 wait till you see it. If you don't, because you might not see it. And who knows? We don't know. We might not see it.
1: We may not see it. Uh, yeah, to your point, Rod, uh, going back to Bud's blue chip ratio, he writes this in his piece. This year, Alabama has set an all time record. Uh, For the BCR at 84%. If not for having to sign special teams players, Nick Saban's Crimson Tide will almost be certainly over 90%. And that's after
0: (laughs) after setting the record. (laughs) After setting the record, we thought there wouldn't be six first-round picks from one school like (laughs) Miami, the way the Miami did. And Alabama did it did just another year of the draft last year. And they they have to replace that. That normally makes you totally depleted. Look at this LSU.
2: When the LSU lost all those guys And they lost the coaches too Bill LSU oh was never the same Alabama loses coaches every year And he loses Start every and year six first like keep And keep o- Watch next year we'll be talking about Bill O'Brien's a genius Bill O'Brien I cannot Oh my god Bill O'Brien is really evolved That guy's been very progressive I mean he's next level why, why can we unlock this With Bill O'Brien at the Texans Cause it's Nick Saban mm-hmm. It's yep. Nick Saban mofo Ed, Ed O'Dron, <laughs> Ed <laughs> Ed
1: O'Dron, Ed O'Dron <laughs> might get fired too After <laughs> winning a national <laughs> <laughs> championship We saw Gene Chizik Fired two years after winning two
2: years later because it was Gus Malzahn running things. Matt Brown Newton.
1: played for one, went five and seven the next year. <laughs> <laughs> yep, was like, out two years. It's after hard, it man. Three years
0: it's after hard,
2: it's hard, man. That dude's maintaining a, a dynasty unless
0: you're saving or He's unbelievable
2: He's just unbelievable, man. So I think that's the like, that's the pitch you get to say. And you know what? So I think you're right. My point is, you're right, like, okay. he's got to do it immediately. Especially when we start in the spring game, people are hating on that too. Like, oh, that's the offense. And we know he wasn't calling the plays, but it doesn't matter on social it's media. A it doesn't game. matter when it's the narrative. The narrative is what matters. Not what actually happened. And the narrative right now is, to that offense looked terrible. That's an offense. Even if my, my kid called it that, my I pulled better plays on Madden than I looked in that Texas Spring game. It looked like trash. And that's all you gotta say. If and you then you take, add that you're with the draft you add that with the draft numbers and the fact that they ain't winning, it's it's kinda easy to recruit against Texas. Yep. Mm, yep. That's the whole point.
1: All right. We'll pick up this conversation next week. Uh as always. And again, we're about to hit our fourth of July holiday, so we're We'll keep you updated on what the recording schedule is going to be like and availability for this show. Uh, we still haven't quite figured that out yet, but we'll make it work. Uh, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn One AM Twelve Sixty, streaming on the Horn App and at hornfm.com. where you can hear Rod B on the Triple Option each and every weekday from three to seven. Shameless plug. You can also hear myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from ten to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows, are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns twenty four seven where you get your podcast, click the follow button to get every episode of Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff how Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.